steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, we are rehashing the latest Vikings loss, uh, the schlacking that they took against the New Orleans Saints by a final of 52-33. to uh, We have a lot of things to discuss kind of as a result of that game as well. Uh, Mike Zimmer's comments, of course, have made major headlines, calling his defense the worst one he's ever had. So we'll uh, break into that a little bit. Um, and see kind of where else this takes us. Uh, obviously, you know, a pretty des- – like, de- very defeated loss. Um, it's not fun as a fan, and, you know, we've got one more week of football, and it, quite frankly, it doesn't matter for anything beyond draft positions. So um, we'll get into that potentially a little bit, and then we'll finish up this week here with a preview of the Lions matchup and get into offseason stuff. So uh, that's kind of the game plan for the foreseeable future here. Uh, but for now, let's uh, – Let's talk about what happened here. Um, 52 points. That's, uh, that's the most points that I've seen the Vikings allow in a long time. Obviously, a lot has to go wrong in order for that to happen. But um, in this case, it only really seems like one thing went wrong, um, and that was Alvin Kamara. Yeah, uh, if you had Alvin Kamara on your fantasy team and you happen to be playing in the championship this week, I don't see a scenario in which you lost. Uh, by the way, as a side note, if you did have Kamara in your lineup and you did lose – I would like to see a screenshot of how that went down. So please uh, find it, find me on Twitter and show me that. But um, yeah, the Vikings run defense, uh, the defensive line in general is just, it's very exposed. And I think Mike Zimmer's done an okay job of covering it up, you know, last few weeks against what, I mean, inferior opponents, not Sean Payton level coaching, uh, but it didn't take very long for, uh, you know, Sean Payton to expose that right after it um, and go on the ground and they didn't really waver from it. So, um, and that's the thing about this game. I think both of us coming in thought that, you know, Drew Brees wasn't scary. I mean, we never were scared of Drew Brees. He actually wasn't that good in this game. He wasn't. Um, he was in holding my it opinion. back. So, yeah, I mean, if they hammered Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara up the middle of the entire game, uh, I mean, it's probably a similar scoring output, but the Vikings have fewer opportunities as well. So there's just uh, – Nothing surprises me. Uh, the Vikings have some serious work to do personnel-wise, fixing the defensive line. Of course, they're going to get guys back, but, uh, you know, not just getting Daniel Hunter back, not just getting Michael Pierce uh, into the game, uh, things like that. That's not going to solve the problems. Uh, there's a clear depth issue as well, and it was very much exposed this year when, you know, these guys are forced to play a lot of snaps. We kind of got what we thought we were going to get, right? We talked in the pregame. This is one of the worst front sevens that you're going to find, um, you know, short the guys that are missing with, you know, Barr, Kendricks, Hunter, Pierce, et cetera, out. You have backups and backups, backups playing in your front seven, and it was a recipe for disaster against the run. Um, I don't think any of us foresaw 52 points or a record-breaking, or I suppose record-tying, um, six touchdowns from Kamara, but 
I think that we all could have guessed that the run defense was going to be a problem. And the fact that you're playing against Sean Payton, I'm glad you brought that up because that's important here. He knew what to do. They rushed the ball 45 times with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Breeze still threw for 300 yards, but I think it was pretty fair to say that by about halftime, everyone was aware that it was Kamara's show and Breeze was just kind of giving the Vikings a chance. He had two interceptions too, critical ones at that, that gave the Vikings more opportunity than they really even should have had in this game. But 45 rushing attempts, 264 yards total for the team, 5.9 yard average. And that's, you know, that's including Drew Breeze's three nails. So yeah. I, this is, this is disgusting. <laughs> like you can't, you can't win a game when, We've talked about this before, right? In theory, passing the ball is always going to be more effective just because you're always going to average between 8, 9, 10 yards per play as opposed to running, where even if you're great, 6 yards, you're probably not going to be efficient enough to run someone to the ground. The Saints just did that. 45 carries, averaged nearly 6 yards per attempt. They ran the Vikings into the ground. And for what it's worth, yeah, I guess Breeze connected on a couple passes when they needed to, but this was a running show and they controlled everything about this game with just one player and having a little kind of Robin superhero to back him up in Latavius Murray. But Kamara was unstoppable. And right. he's not even known as a, as a pure rusher. No. That's his third 100-yard game of the season. Third. He doesn't even rush that much. He's more of a pass catcher. And that's what happened. That's not yeah. good. It's not good, no. <laughs> uh, and it was – Kind of fitting that this is sort of how it, it, the the season, you know, the Vikings were officially eliminated, right? Um, right. That, you know, they um, – I mean, the, the funny thing, too, is the Cardinals did end up losing. So, like, the Vikings, if they had so won this game, would be, yeah. I think, a win and in or something like that mm -hmm. potentially this week. So, um, it's – but it's fitting, right? Because I think all season it's been, you know, the Mike Zimmer quote. We're going to talk about Mike Zimmer's quote after this game, but the quote before the season – where he goes, you know, I've never had a bad defense. Um, and I don't think that's going to change or whatever he said uh, when, when asked about it. And sure enough, you know, when the most important game of the year season on the line um, now, granted again, that, that roster or that lineup out there was, I mean, half those guys are fringe NFL players uh, probably should be on a practice squad somewhere, but elevated due to injuries uh, regardless. And like he's got 52 points. Saints get whatever they want besides a couple of breeze mistakes. Um, yeah, it's you can't you can't ask Kirk Cousins in the offense to keep up with that. You just can't. That was gonna be my next question because you know you look at the scoreboard, thirty-three points, generally pretty good considering the fact that I believe the Vikings also did not have a turnover. Um, they fumbled a couple times. They didn't lose either of them. Yeah. Um, so Cousins does his job. He gives you thirty-three points, controls the football when he's allowed to have the football. Mind, mind you, because of what you know, the Saints were able to do controlling the clock. How much of the blame does go to the offense here? Like, are they responsible for 19 more points when you lose 52 no. to 33? No, I mean, the one main critique I have, and I mean, again, there's, uh, you know, they they had a three and out, I believe, like early, like in deep in their own territory, stuff like that. But you know, like Cousins probably took a sack or two he shouldn't have. Like, I, that happens, right? Um, if you know that's a, I guess I would say that that's nitpicking at that point like every single quarterback that's ever played is going to have a game where they take a sack or two that they shouldn't right. have or they miss a wide open throw or make a bad decision like nobody plays a perfect game um, but uh, yeah I think the one thing I would criticize is just how in the heck the management of the clock was at the end of the first half when points were 
I would say there for the taking, whether it be a field goal attempt or whether it be even something more, I think maybe getting, it'd be getting greedy to say a touchdown was possible there, but there were points there to be had and the clock was terribly mismanaged, whether that was Kirk, whether that was Zimmer, I don't know who it was. Uh, that was maybe at fault the most for that, but something needs to change their clock management. That happened a few times this year where I, I would say end of the first half, it seemed to be the most common occurrence where the clock was just terribly mismanaged, whether it's, you know, you got to make a decision, got to be decisive about when to use the timeouts. It seems like the Vikings were taking time to decide if they should use a timeout and that clock or that time ended up working against them and costing them points in this game and uh, other times throughout the season. I mean, if you think about it, those three points are, first of all, we should say this before I go on a small rant here about the Vikings two minute issues. Um, There's no guarantee that they're going to get the three points, even if they line up for three, just for the word for just for what it's worth. Just, Need to put that out there because someone's thinking it because Dan Belly's been trash, right? Um, but you're right. It was they had about 30 seconds, right, to go. They need to go about 40 yards. Um, they didn't know what they were doing. They were completely. Uh, it's not just Irv Smith. You know, I was giving Irv Smith hell two weeks ago or whatever it was because he wasn't lined up correctly in a critical moment. It's not. It wasn't just Irv Smith this time. It seemed to me. And granted, I'm watching on TV just like the rest of you guys. It seemed to me that Kirk Cousins was the only one that knew what was going on. That was the kind of the appearance that I had, yeah. whether it was a, you know, a communication issue from Kirk Cousins to the rest of his team. I don't know. Maybe the fault, some fault's going to find him here, right? He's the, he's the signal caller. He's got to get his guys lined up. He's got to get everything in order. That's his job. Yeah. But okay. It seems like he was the only one that knew what was going on. That it seems seemed, like he's the only one that appeared to display a sense of urgency that when too. it was definitely needed. Like he was the only one that was clearly frustrated with how the result of the half, you know, what, what ended up happening. Cause, uh, and I, again, you're right. This is, this does fall on Kirk. He's the quarterback. You're in command of the offense. Uh, but something was a disconnect there. Right. Like, and I think part of it too, I mean, Kirk's throwing to the middle of the field there every time, you know, five yards front line that. scrimmage, that doesn't do anything either. So, I, that part to me seems like it's on Kirk unless the coordinators are saying, okay, if your first read's not there, throw it down the check down for five yards, which in that scenario doesn't help you at all because the clock needs to be stopped. So right. there's a bunch of different moving parts there. I'm not sure who to blame, but either way, it's bad. They need and to go back to the drawing board straight up. Like on this, just this specific um, scenario. Yeah, yeah. Scenario. Yeah. Th- this phase of the game, they need to work on their two minute drill and, and also their clock management it's not just when they're you know driving it's also when they're on defense the the vikings are not good managing the clock ever never they don't know how to use their timeouts it's always i swear to god they always use a timeout within the first four minutes to start the third quarter and i'm just sitting there like you're gonna need that you know Mm -hmm. like it's very frustrating and it's something that you should you know in theory you think they could correct overnight but uh, apparently not, because this has gone on for – this isn't just this year, by the way. This has gone on for multiple years, and it's something that, you know, it, it's holding you back from being a little bit better. There's some, there's some yeah. more important things here to address with this team. Most of them, I will say, should be addressed by injury, return, you know, injury returns and things of that nature. I mean, you're a lot better team when you've got Hunter and Pierce on that defensive line and Barr and Kendricks in the middle. You're, you're considerably, considerably better. Uh, I do think the team is, you know, pieces away from being a 12-4 and four team again, you know, potentially. Uh, but I do think they can compete immediately when they get all of these guys back. So I'm not super concerned about the immediate future for this team. But what they put out last week and what they're going to put out this upcoming week is not watchable from a fan standpoint. 
unless you're betting on it, unless you are a diehard fan or you know irrespons- an irresponsible fan like myself, where you're going to allow this game to affect your emotions despite knowing that it does not matter. <laughs> if you're like me, you're going to watch it anyways, but you have to come to terms with the fact that the product in the field is going to be even worse than it was this week, and this was not good. They can't. They can't do anything they want defensively. Anthony Harris, by the way, looks bad. Harrison Smith looks old. Can't miss two or three tackles I've seen him make a hundred times in his career. I, I don't know if this is a product of just kind of being done, which in which case I wouldn't blame them. I would encourage them to, you know, try their best. But I mean, at the same time, I don't blame any player who's frustrated and not feeling it at this point. But they look terrible on defense. Just terrible. Like, stay mm-hmm. away from the record books. Come on. We gotta. I don't care if you lose, but like, stay away from the record books. Like, it, the season's over. Let's let's get the high draft pick. Um, let's play competitively and let's stay out of the record books. And you failed a couple of those things last week. And you know, yeah. I, I thought it was a fun game to watch, especially for Christmas. Like you, you know, it's an exciting, hot point heavy game where you're trying to ignore your family. That's that's great, but it's also super embarrassing. And you got you just can't allow six touchdowns to the same guy you have to find a way to not let one of those happen like Sean Payton gifted you one he had he had seven in his pocket and Sean Payton gave you one back you got you can't let that happen that's just mm-hmm. well and, yeah you're right I mean it's you're, you're you're when you're mismanaging the clock you're you're gifting your opponent an advantage when they don't deserve it so that's what the Vikings have been doing all season and I so this is kind of a tangent but um by all means so I've always wondered this and I'd like a, a full analytics report, like di- deep dive into this, but like, you know, like you mentioned those timeouts, the Vikings burn always at like the beginning of the second half. Right. Like g- generally when that is, it's like a third and seven. Right. And you can't get the play call in and it becomes a third and 12. If they get, take the delay game, but yeah. instead they call a timeout. I'd like to know the analytics on like win probability and how that changes. Like instead of, if you just take the delay game, take the five yards, um, instead of taking the timeout, like how much that timeout is yeah. kept valuable. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I feel like that's – and every NFL team does it, right? Where, like, the cl- play clock winds down and you take a timeout to save the five yards when it seems like then down the road in the game you're going to need that timeout. Does anyone so, do this? Like, does anyone like, – do you know any – I know all the – I know, I, I know the there are, I know there's analytics out there. I know there's win probability metrics, like, out there. I don't think they measure this specifically though. Or I yeah. haven't seen anything out there. And if there is something, please let me know listeners. Like this is something I'm very curious about. Cause I'm always, every time I see this, when I'm watching football, I'm like, just take the five yards. Like just, just that's fine. Like if it's third and two and becomes third and seven, that's fine. Just take it, save the timeout if it's a close game. But anyway, uh, we can, I think we should kind of mention what Zimmer said after this game. Right. There's not a whole I, lot. I didn't, I didn't like, I mean, there's nothing else really discussed about this game. There's nothing to Thiel break still, down here. Right. That's Adam Thielen's still good. Irv Smith is a stud. Uh, Justin Jefferson's still good. Like that. We know the offense can hunt still hum. And we're kind of not talking about it because there's, there's nothing new. Uh, it just was what it That's was. True. But then I, what Zimmer said after it's kind of like, cause we talked, I mentioned the quote before the season where he said, I've never had a bad defense. I don't expect that to change. You know, I think whoever – I don't know who Rich Reporter asked him. Uh, it might have been Chris Thompson um, after the game. But whoever it was, kudos to them because this is kind of you're, – you're really getting a good quote out of this. But he said, oh, yeah, this is a bad defense. This is the worst one I've had. And uh, and then he went on to list, you know, the guys that aren't there. And so 
I wanted to get your perspective on it because he kind of then said, you know, this is a, this is a bad defense, the worst one I've had. But then he's like, we got to get our great players back. We got to get Anthony Barr. We got to get Kendricks back. We got to get Daniel Hunter back in there and blah, blah, blah. So it's almost like, you know, Zimmer's never been one to say, uh, you know, never been one, a proponent of making excuses, right? That's kind of the vibe he gives off. But to me, that seems like that's what he's doing there. And I, I guess what I was looking for is him to just sort of take some of the blame, like shoulder some of it. Like I got to be better coach. I got to put a better game plan together. It's kind of what I was looking for there. So um, again, there are... I, I still love Zimmer. I love the guy. I still think he's an awesome defensive coach, but that's just, I had, I, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So there are two ways to approach this type of situation, right? And I think we saw both of them last week. Um, there is the Zimmer way, which is kind of the glancing blow where you take it on the chin and then you just kind of let it like bounce off of you and just find a way to kind of spread it around, which is what he did. And there's what Baker Mayfield did when the Browns lost to the Jets. And I would encourage you to watch that two-minute rant because if you were into the J.J. Watt one, you probably also feel good about the Mayfield one. And he essentially just took everything on himself. Um, Despite the fact that everything around him was crumbling, he did not make any excuses for himself. Um, He said all the right things, whether it's true or not. I tend to believe it because I think he's a pretty – real human genuine human being but he said all the right things and that's to me what I would have liked to have heard from Zimmer was like yeah we had Mm -hmm. some problems here it's 2020 though like you know what you're dealing with like you you know you you know what you got into um the injuries suck but like you gotta find some way to not allow 52 points like I understand I don't I understand that Zimmer was in deep here like he didn't have a whole lot to work with there are some you know really good bright spots here I think he found two starting cornerbacks for lat- for next year for starters um, so there are some bright spots with this defense and but what he said is kind of like his, his what he said is this is the worst one I've had which that's possessive so he is taking ownership of the fact that like this is a bad defense and it's his so in that way he's not making any excuses if he had just said that statement like, yeah, it's, it's a kind of matter-of-fact, you know, boring statement that any one of us could have said that just has, carries more value because it's the head coach saying it. But at the same time, as soon as he continues that statement and he's like, you know, we got to get Barr, Kendricks, Pierce, et cetera, back, it's like, it's like you're saying, yeah, this is the worst defense I've had and it's, the, it's these guys' fault because I didn't have – Well, it's know, also like studs. it's not giving yourself credit too. Like it's almost just – it's like disqualifying – himself and his accomplishments as a coach the last five years putting together a great defense and saying well it was just these guys doing it essentially right like he's taking away what he's done right. as vikings defense or as the vikings head coach putting together awesome defenses so uh it's and I, I don't know i i guess and again i'm sure it i'm not gonna like put too much into this or put too much thought into this because you know he's frustrated after an embarrassing loss right. on christmas day like right. i don't think Frankly, Zimmer doesn't think too much about really what he says or doesn't say to the media. He just kind of wants to get through the media session, right? right? Whether it's a good day or a bad day. So uh, I, I just, you know, for me, it would have been like, that's fine. Everything he says is fine. But it's, I think I just would have wished at the end he said something like, well, you know, I'm the head coach of this team. Uh, you know, giving up 52 points is ultimately my my responsibility. So uh, and it, even if it was or wasn't, like we can we can as fans figure that out, I think, based on the fact that these guys are all practice squad players. But like at least shoulder some of that responsibility because that's what I guess the leadership would look like to me. But uh, anyway, that's just, I think we should have mentioned that. Uh, I think the, it, there is one more point here. I think what's and this kind of goes off of what you were saying about Zimmer's relationship with the media. I think what Zimmer says to the media and what Zimmer says to his players are entirely different, which is good and bad. 
right? Like it, it, it's good that, you know, he's keeping issues in house. Uh, I think that's always like, you know, it's better to not air your grievance grievances to the media, which he's done this in the past and it's not tight. Like it's never gone over well when he's spoken poorly about a player in the media. Uh, he's done a good job for the most part of keeping what he says constructively you know, critically, whatever it is to his guys. And his guys acknowledge that and seem to feel like he takes ownership. I've never seen any player say Zimmer isn't taking ownership of this issue. I, or I've never seen any attitude that suggests that to be the case with the exception to what the one time when Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman decided to freelance. That was the one time when I thought that they kind of were against their head coach. And we've since seen, you know, nothing else to suggest that to be the case. So I do think that, you know, what, where he says it matters because you're probably going to have a couple players be like, you know, it's nice for you to let us know that you're owning this one for us. And I'm sure he said that to his guys. But we also want you to say it publicly because always we're like, you're, you're shaming us. You know, like it's like, like it's important to say the right things privately, but you also have to be public about, you know, important moments. And I think this might be one of them because you're, you're, you're you're done like you you don't get to have your year-end press conference when it's supposed to happen this year you have to have it a little bit early and to me the message that he was sending isn't it probably doesn't line up with the one that he said in the locker room and I want to hear what he said in the locker room because I think that he probably placed more blame on his shoulders talking to his players than he did to us Mm -hmm. and I want I just want to I'd like to hear it because like like ultimately like it's not really his fault it's not really rick spielman's fault it's it's something else's fault that you can't really this is why we have insurance. the injury part right i mean that it's there's there's no insurance for a, a, a very now, football player. well it's, we could bring up the fault of like you know is this maybe rick spielman's fault for not providing the personnel necessary to withstand these injuries right like that's something back, that should be considered that too. goes back to my favorite quote of all time the one um geez i can't remember who it was that said it right now but the one about peyton manning where why is peyton manning taking all the snaps and the coach responded if 18 goes down we're fucked that was my it's my favorite co- quote of all time and it stands for everyone especially for zimmer who's a defensive head coach where your best, your, your, your signal caller, Anthony Barr, you lose him, right? And then you hand those responsibilities over to Eric Hendricks. You lose him. You, you've seen some regression from Harrison Smith. I don't know what the level is yet. That will be determined early next year, I'm sure. Um, you've seen regression from Anthony Harris. The franchise tag looks like a beautiful move right now from a management yeah. perspective. Um, you know, to me, there's no, there's no true answer. Would it be nice to have gotten a fifth round linebacker that can step in and play to the level that Anthony Barr has, which for what it's worth, the bar is not super high, no pun intended, but yeah, it would have been nice. But like, can you, can you actually be pissed off about someone like the co- the general manager not doing that when the draft was as good as it actually was? I mean, you got two starting cornerbacks out of this for, for sure. At least going into next year, you have two starting cornerbacks. You know, you got a starting wide receiver, superstar wide receiver at that. You've got a rotational defensive end that, you know, might be, might even get a little bit better and want them. How much more can you ask? I, I think the, I think upper management and you know the coaching staff did about the best they could with this situation, and I think it just ultimately crumbled. And you know, eighteen went down five different times for the Vikings this year, and here we are, mm-hmm. six and nine, 
you know, we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, this will be a, it'll be a fun off season though, because I, I do think there's a scenario where the Vikings are quickly competitive again next year. I do too. Uh, and that's, and that's going to require, you know, some injury luck. I mean, you, and it's happened to the Vikings before 2017 is a great example. Guys were healthy, you know, much more healthy than the rest of the league. And I think, you know, once, if the Vikings get that next year, they'll be competitive again. They can, you know, make another, I guess, every odd year, right? The Vikings are competitive and make a playoff run. So, uh, but kind of seemed like a perfect storm of injuries on the defensive side just happened this year. And uh, as long as those guys can stay healthy next year, you're going to be much better off, like you said, with those four guys. But this offseason will be interesting because there's still so many holes to figure out with this team. I mean, still clearly defensive line's an issue, whether or not you have Hunter and Pierce. Offensive line and getting past pro is, a, is an issue. Um, you can always add another receiver, right? Adam Thielen is is getting up there in age. You, clearly having two receivers is a big deal, right? You can right. see it with Jefferson this year. Uh, having two very good receivers is a big boost to your team. And, of course, defensively, you know, secondary, cornerback. Um, linebacker now clearly behind Kendricks and Barr is probably something that needs to be figured out with Eric Wilson probably gone. So a lot of different ways to address this offseason. Uh, but I guess we do have yet one more game to – to look at before offseason officially on, is underway. So that quote, by the way, that was Tom Moore. Uh, he was their offensive coordinator for the Colts, right? Forever. He was a, he was a consultant for the Colts or an offense. He was an offensive Something coach. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Something like that. So feel free to look that one up. It's, in, it's, a, it's a fun one if you hear the audio version of it too. Um, but, yeah, so – this is the situation the Vikings have clear, plain and simple. They, you know, they're going into week 17 playing a meaningless game against another team that is also playing a meaningless game. Uh, this is a stat padding game. No way around it really. Other than that, don't get hurt. You know, don't tear an ACL. Don't do anything like that. Um, get a good look at some guys that might be factors for you next year. You know, I would like to see Wanham play a little bit more, for example, uh, but the position that the Vikings are in right now, I don't think that this feeling is going to last that long. You know, I think, I think every single one of us is very disappointed in how this season has kind of unfolded and been the roller coaster that it is. And ultimately, you know, you end on a low note as opposed to, you know, potentially finding a way to make the playoffs, which had they beaten Chicago last week, even if they lost to the Saints, they would still be in position to be playing for a playoff spot next week. Um, but because of the position they were in heading into this one, um, you got the outcome that you kind of expected. I think that none of us are super shocked by the result. It's just more of, you know, kind of the, the fluff, right? The, the record-breaking nature of that loss. Um, that's what sucks for me because ultimately, like, you, you did yourself kind of the, the – you made the right move. You were unofficially eliminated. Um, you lost. You got a higher pick probably because of it. Um, and now you get to go into this week and see what you got and close out the season and start turning the page. Um, Seven and nine, six and ten. You know that you're a, you're on the cusp. You know that if you get some players back, if you make you know a couple savvy draft moves, if you are able to sign a guard in free agency, so help me God, there are a lot of ways to fix this team quickly. It's just that there are a lot of ways. You got to figure out which one is the most correct path, which one's going to help you get there the quickest, um, and what's going to you know work with what you got right now. You know, uh, it, this doesn't just mean that you can just bring in any player and it's going to work. You you can't just bring in Alex Boone because he was good a long time ago and hope that it's going to work. You got to find answers that make sense this year. Um, otherwise, these guys are going to be gone. Um, I think that they earned enough to be back for next year. 
and speaking of Spielman and Zimmer specifically, um, you could also make a case for, you know, the defensive guys in Patterson and the little Zimmer. Um, all these guys could be gone if this defense looks anything like this next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to feel good knowing that it's not just a Band-Aid coming. You know, you're, you're going to get the proper surgery required on this defense immediately, just in-house. And then you've got an opportunity with potentially a higher draft pick than you would have had you been a one-and-done team in the playoffs. So I'm trying to find positives here. But, you know, it's, this is, it is what it is. It, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, this is the even-year uh, pattern for the Vikings. It's an uh, odd year. You're competitive, make a playoff run, potentially win a playoff game. Uh, even year, you kind of fall back to earth a little bit, things go wrong, and then you regroup and try it again in the next odd year, which would be 2021. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, that's, that's basically all I've got for you guys today. Um, I, don't yeah. have any, I don't have anything super insightful or fun or interesting. I'm, I'm as bummed out as you guys are, and um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to you know, this weekend the same way that I would have had a couple more things fall in the right way for the Vikings this year. But alas, here we are. And uh, we'll be back later on this week to you know, give you an idea of what to look for, what to um, – what to, you know, this isn't going to be a game that's fun competitively. But it's still Vikings football. You get it one more time for, you know, in, for another six months here. Um, and we're going to try to enjoy that and, you know, find things about this, uh, you know, upcoming game against Detroit that – you know, might be fun to keep an eye on things that might develop into something bigger in the foreseeable future and so forth. So thank you as always for listening to us. Hopefully uh, you were able to kind of grieve with us on today's episode. Um, and later on this week, uh, we'll, we'll get back to business and, and then we'll start our off season scheduling uh, next week. Um, it'll be a one show a week thing again during the off season. We haven't decided what day yet, uh, but I'll give you some more information on that later. So Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, We appreciate it. And we will catch you guys next.